Isaiah chapter 9, verse number 6. Isaiah 9, verse number 6. Very, very familiar passage of Scripture. Most of us could probably quote it, but I'll read it anyways. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government shall be on his, upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. If you would turn with me over to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1, verse number 20. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared unto him, dreaming, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she shall bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And if you would skip over a few more books to Acts chapter 4, verse number 12. Nor is there salvation in any other name, for there is no other name. No other name. No other name. Under heaven given among men, whereby we what? Must. Not if. Not maybe. But whereby we must be Saved. For a few moments today, our first service here, Antioch West, I want to preach to you simply Jesus. Simply Jesus. Would you clap your hands one more time? Give God praise. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. I want to establish something right here from the very beginning to lay a foundation for us to go forward. We will be first and foremost about Jesus. Jesus will be the foundation. Jesus will be the leader. Jesus will be the victor. Jesus will be the one to get all the glory. We're going to preach Jesus, teach Jesus, sing Jesus, worship Jesus, testify Jesus, know Jesus, love Jesus. Follow Jesus. Jesus in the morning. Jesus in the evening. Jesus in the midnight. You get the picture? Jesus Sunday. Jesus Monday. Jesus Tuesday. Jesus Wednesday. Jesus Thursday. Jesus Friday. Jesus Saturday. And come back around. We're going to do Jesus all over again. Jesus this week. Jesus next week. Jesus this month. Jesus next month. Jesus this year. Jesus next year. Jesus yesterday, Jesus today, Jesus tomorrow. Jesus. That's what we are about, and that's what we will stay about. This is not about, I'm excited about the community feel, we've, the, the unity in this place, the way that you're excited. I'm, about, I'm excited about the vision and the excitement that's in this place, but ultimately it's for one purpose. Jesus. We're not here to build a better mousetrap. There is no better mousetrap. There is but one thing. Jesus. And he said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. It's not about getting better music, better preaching, better signs, better facilities, and all that. If we can do one thing, we'll build this group. Jesus. 
If we'll come in here and we'll worship Jesus. If we'll come in here and magnify Jesus. If we'll come in here and speak the name of Jesus. He said, I will build the house. He can figure it out. It's not hard for him to do it. If we would let him do it, he'll do it. But I want to challenge someone today, this very first Sunday morning. I want to challenge someone today to go farther than you've ever gone before. And I want to draw your attention, and I'm going to read for a moment. I'm not a big reader, usually, a scripture during uh, messages. Not that I don't believe in it, but that's just usually not my style. But I want to read to you, uh, if you would allow me to, a very familiar section and story in scripture, but I'm going to refresh your memory this morning uh, in case you haven't read your Bible in a while. I'll bring you up to speed. John chapter 20. John chapter 20, in case you were following along, I'm reading out of the New King James Version. It's cleaned up a little bit from the, uh, the, from the original King James. So if you notice a little bit of a difference in language, that's the reason why. Verse number one. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early, while it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Then she ran, came to Simon Peter and to the other disciples, whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb. Notice what she said. They have taken away the Lord. She didn't even stop to acknowledge the fact that maybe he took himself away. She said, They have taken the Lord away from the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Peter therefore went out, and the other disciples and we're going to the tomb. So they both ran together. And other disciples outran Peter and came to the tomb first. And he, stopping down and looking in, saw the linen clothes lying there. Yet he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went in the tomb and saw the linen clothes lying there. And the handkerchief that had been on his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but folded together in the place by itself. Then the other disciples came, who had come to the tomb first, went in also. And he saw and beheld, for as ye that they did not know the scripture, that he must rise again for the dead. Then the disciples went away to their own homes. Verse 11, but Mary stood outside by the tomb weeping, and she, and she wept, stopped and uh, stooped down and looked into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet where the body had laid. Then she said, and they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Now when she said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know it was Jesus she said, and Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She, supposing him to be a gardener, said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. Let's skip down, if you would, a little verses, a few more to verse 24 for time's sake. And verse 24 says this, Now Thomas called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to him, We have seen the Lord. So he said unto them, Unless I see his hands, the print of his nails, put my finger into the print of his nails, put my hand to the side, I will not believe. 
And after eight days, his disciples were again inside. And Thomas with them, Jesus, came and the doors being shut, stood in the midst and said, peace be to you. Then he said to Thomas, reach your finger here and look at my hands. Reach your hand here and put it in my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, my Lord and my God, Jesus said unto him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Please, I don't want to offend anybody, but I'm going to take my tie off before I pass out. We have to work on some more air conditioning in this room. I read that today because there are three distinct uh, uh, people in that passage of Scripture that give us insight of where a lot of us are today. Because those three people, Peter, Mary, and Thomas, all were dealing with Jesus from different perspectives. One was dealing with him because of his past. One was dealing with him based on his present. And one was dealing based off the future. All of them were believers. But all of them were seeking to know Jesus in a different way. Everybody in here today is a believer. You showing up here today makes you a believer. When you came here today, you knew you were coming to a church. Even though it's in a school, you knew you were coming to a church. And you knew the purpose of coming to a church, especially this kind of church. You knew coming to a church like this, we were going to worship Jesus. We were going to magnify Jesus. We were going to preach Jesus. So by coming here today, by showing up, it's an acknowledgement that you are a believer. Whatever level of a believer you are, whatever you, whatever rung on the ladder you are ascending to the to in, into a relationship with God, it doesn't matter. By you showing up here, it may be on the first rung. You may just be taking that first step, but you are a believer. So let's establish that today. All three of these people were believers, but it's very unique. First of all, we find Peter's mentality based off what he had done because we all know the story of Peter I'm so used to preaching with that little clip on mic I've got to keep this thing strapped in we got to work on that Peter we all know the story right Jesus says to him you know, Peter said, basically, I'm going wherever you go. I'm going to follow you wherever you go. And he turns around and says, uh-uh, that's not happening. By the time uh, the, the, the rooster crows three times, you're going to deny me three times. Oh, that's never going to happen. We find in Scripture, Peter, Jesus' right-hand man, the one that Jesus turned and said, upon this rock I will build my church. That guy turned around and denied Jesus three times. Can you imagine the shame the regret that Peter carried. You've done stupid things. I've done stupid things. I know that's not the right thing to say from a pulpit, but let's just call it what it is. We've done stupid stuff. We've all made mistakes. We've all done some pretty, you know, we're not supposed to categorize sin, but let's be honest, we categorize sin. We've all done stuff that probably got us up there 
But nobody in this room has ever hit it out of the park quite like Peter. I mean, he had a grand slam that beat all grand slams. Because not only did he deny Jesus, but he denied Jesus at the darkest moment when you think you should have been standing with Jesus, he's denying him. Can you imagine watching blood drip out of the pores of the body of Jesus because he's so overwhelmed by taking on the sin of the world and watching his heartbreak and watching the love and the compassion of Christ pour out and seeing that and witnessing first and foremost in the flesh and then turning around and denying you you don't even know the guy that was willing to pay that price I can't, I, I can't even imagine what Peter was dealing with and it was it must have been in his mind because when the disciples took off running there are other people that have speculated well Peter was old well, I have a hard time believing Peter was that old because he went on to ministry and traveled all over the world. So he couldn't have been that old and feeble if he was traveling all over the world back then when most of the time it was by foot. So let's be honest. I don't think he showed up late to the tomb because he was old. I think Peter showed up late because he didn't want to go there and face the prospect of seeing Jesus. Because he knew what he was done. And there's some of you today that have made mistakes. We can't go back and change mistakes. It's over with. Done. Trust me. Right now, standing here today, I would go back and I would change so many things I have done wrong. I would do it in a heartbeat. I've hurt people. I've done things that are wrong. I've done things that have, that, have, that have hurt God. I've done things that have hurt my wife. I've done things that have hurt my, my parents, friends, family. I'd go back and change them now, but I can't. And because of that, a lot of us are like Peter. We're pursuing him, but yet we're pursuing from a distance because we're afraid. I don't really think he's going to be all that happy to see me. And and Peter was still the same Peter, the man filled with passion. But because of where he was coming from, he allowed his past to dictate his pursuit of Jesus. And he shows up and notice. I feel the Holy Ghost with that. You do. I just feel the Holy Ghost. God's going to help somebody here today. I know we're supposed to be very, very, very. Uh, uh, what's that? formal in our first service and be forget that nonsense we ain't doing that that's terrible english but forgive me but can you imagine he's she's, he's running and everybody takes off and that's some of you feel today you feel like you've kind of been left behind well everybody well they don't use me anymore because i you know all the stuff i've done and all the baggage i've got and now all those people they're they're running to see jesus and you're you're just sometimes you're just glad to be here that's all that you know i'm just glad to be here but what's cool is watch this Peter gets there, and finally he works up enough courage to peek in the door. And what does he find when he looks in the door? Now, John tells us this. John says after Peter looked in, when Mary looked in, there was two angels. 
I fully believe, and I don't have scripture to back this up, so if you believe differently, we're both right. I just happen to be having the microphone, so today is my story. I believe the angels were already there. And I believe when Peter looked in, even though he didn't see the angels, they were already sitting there. And I want you to get in your mind what was sitting in that room represented by what picture John wrote. When we look, when, we, when you see pictures of artists rendering of what they see, they never show the full picture. They show this, you know, majestic tomb that's empty. And yeah, it's, it's wonderful. But there's something deeper in that moment. Because I want you to go all the way back to the Old Testament. To the ark that represented the presence of God to the children of Israel. And the ark had two cherubims, which are angels. And their wings were spread, one on one end and one on the other. And they covered the top of the ark. And blood was sprinkled on top of the ark. And that was called the mercy seat. And that was from where the sins of Israel when the priest would go in the holes of holies, he would sprinkle on that ark, that mercy seat, where the presence of God, where, where the sins of Israel was taken away, where the mercy of God was poured out from, the mercy seat. When Peter, being a Jew, and understanding the significance of that moment, when he looked in, guess what was in that tomb? John tells us, an angel at the head, an angel at the foot. What was between the angels? The blood. Because the Bible says that the handkerchief that covered him, he was a bloody mess. What was on that handkerchief? Blood. Whose blood? His blood. The blood of the lamb. When he looked in that room that day, there was mercy reaching out to Peter that very moment. And when Peter came to the tomb, dragging his past, Jesus was already there to meet Peter at the tomb with mercy. That says, listen, I know you messed up. I know you made mistakes, but don't worry about that. My grace is sufficient. So can I declare today, I don't care who you are, and I know most of you, and I don't care what you've done, I'm declaring today, the very first Sunday of Antioch West, let's let the past be the past, and let's go forward in Jesus. It's a new beginning. It's a new season. It's a new start. Let your past go. Let the mistakes go. And step in right now and say, Lord, I've got to know you more than ever before. Stop letting the mistakes. You know what? And I don't mean this. And I'm going to say this. And I may say some stuff down the road that may get me in hot water. And I'm big boy. I can take it. So I'm going to say something. I know for some of you what the hill represented to you. What what happened on the hill and things that happened and what it represented. But, honey, look around. We ain't on the hill anymore. So it's a new start. And instead of 
behind all of us that are running with excitement because we're excited to see what God's doing. And you're excited too. But your past is saying, well, I know this is awesome. I'm so glad to be a part of Antioch West and what God's going to do. But I'm not really sure I can really add much. I'm not really sure I can bring much. I'm not sure really I can give anything to the table because all this stuff I'm pulling with me. If you're here, then you're qualified. If you're here, then you're qualified. I know some of you have been messed up, beat up, broken up. All under that. But you're here today. And I'm declaring in the Holy Ghost. The mercy and the grace of the Heavenly Father is in this place today. My God. We can sit around and we can wallow and talk about everything from the past. But when we stepped in this room today in this new adventure, the past no longer became the past. We only have a future. You are here today and you have a very rare opportunity because you have the opportunity today to be a part of something brand new for something that's been around 46 years. It's hard to ever be a part of something new. But you're a, you have the opportunity and privilege today. And God has, has chosen you. You may have thought you chose this, but really God chose you. And God has picked you today to be a part of this. Why? I don't think he picked you to come here because he needed more people to fill up seats. We don't need people to say, well, we had, we had this crowd. No, you're here today because you bring value. You're here today because you add value. You're here today because God wants to work in you, through you, and for you. So, Peter, I'm telling you, if you would just let the Holy Ghost open your eyes, there's a mercy seat in this place today. When we go down farther, we see Peter. Dealing with his past. But then we have another person talked about Mary. Mary's problem wasn't her past. Mary's problem was her present. Because the Bible says something very interesting. The fact of the matter is that Mary was crying. Obviously broken up. Couldn't figure out what was going on. And she turned around and Jesus was standing there and said, Why are you crying? And who are you looking for? And she didn't even recognize it was him. And I, I don't have time to go into all the reasons why that was the case. Needless to say, the beautiful pictures that are in the Christian bookshop that so see Jesus on a cross so majestic and so beautiful are terrible depictions of the truth of the cross. Because I guarantee you, if they really put on there what it was like, no one would want that in their house. You're talking about a guy that every bone on his face was probably broken. The Bible says his visage, visage was marred, unlike any other man. And so there was a lot of reasons why she didn't recognize him. But you know what? I remember years ago in the Safeway in Arnold, I was in there shopping, and there was a lady that was in there, and, and I saw her 
walk out. I, 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 she had walked out. She came back in. She came back in. She was panicking. She's like, anybody see my purse? Anybody? I, I, I've lost my purse. Anybody see my purse? And, and, and she's asking the clerk. She's, asking, she's in a panic. Anybody see my purse? I can't find my purse. Finally, somebody had mercy on that poor lady. Walked up to her and gently tapped her on the shoulder and said, ma'am, your purse is on your shoulder. I wouldn't even ask how many of you have done that. You're looking for your sunglasses, can't find them, and they're on your head. I remember years ago, I'm terrible, and I, I, this is probably a terrible thing to admit, I've lost five wallets in the last three years. And when I say lose them, I'm not talking about misplace them. I'm talking about all new credit cards, new driver's license. I update my picture regularly. I mean, like, my, my driver's license picture is the most accurate of any of you in here because I change it every three months. But I've lost five in, like, three years for various reasons. But years ago, I had lost another one. And I remember that I couldn't find it, and I looked and finally gave up hope. And I went down and did the whole painful experience of the DMV and all that nonsense and called all the credit card companies and, and got all that. And when I came home, I was walking up the stairs, and the house we were living at the time had a dark, stained wooden stairs. They were a dark stain. And I'm walking up the stairs, and my eye kind of shifted. And when I looked up, I saw my wallet, and it was the same color as the stairs. And for some brain-dead reason, I had stuck it on the stairs, and it blended into the stairs. And I can't tell you how many times you've looked for something, and it's been right there the whole time. You just didn't see it. And when you used the term, it was hidden in plain sight. That's a lot like Mary because she was looking for Jesus, but he was still, he was there the whole time. But her circumstances blinded her to the fact that Jesus and the answer she was seeking was actually right there. But she was caught up in her world so much she couldn't see the answer that was right in front of her face. And there's some of you in here today, your circumstances are so in disarray that you can't even see the simple answer that's right in front of your face. You're asking people, what can I do? What can I do? I need, you know, I need a ministry pastor. Put me in. Can I just let you know something? We're taking this thing slow because we're not going to be about what position am I in this church. You do have a position. Go ye therefore into the world and preach the gospel. That's your position. That's your title. But there's some of us that are so caught up in our world and we're looking for the answer and the answer is in front of us the whole time. And the answer is simple. They say, well, that's kind of, you know, give me something better than that. Can you at least give me Jesus in the Greek and the Hebrew? No, it's Jesus. 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 That's your answer. Some of you, your world right now is in chaos. I got an answer for you. Jesus. Some of you don't know what to do next. Jesus. Some of you don't know up from down. Jesus. Some of you are facing major life crises right now. I have an answer for you. Jesus. Not church. 
Jesus. Not a friend, Jesus. Do you notice most of the time we call everybody else and when we've run out of options, we finally get on our knees and say, okay, Lord, I need to hear from you. I imagine sometimes he looks down and goes, why am I always last? You know that bumper sticker? And if you had this bumper sticker, I don't mean offense by it. You might want to remove it after we're done. Because I have a big problem with it. When everything else has failed, try Jesus. Why do we have to wait? I already know the answer. Everything will fail. So instead of getting to the end, start now. Save yourself the trouble. So I have have a word for someone in there today. Instead of trying to figure out the answer... Just go ahead and skip to the end of the line. The answer simple. Jesus. Jesus. Fall in love with Jesus all over again. That song that Andre Crouch sang and wrote, Take me back. Take me back, dear Lord, to the place where I First received you, oh, take me back, mm-hmm. take me back, dear Lord, where I first believed. Somebody needs to go back a little bit in your mind and say, oh, take me back, oh, say, take me back, dear Lord, oh, to the place where I first received you. Oh, say, take me back. Oh, say, take me back, dear Lord, where I first believed. Remember when your life was empty, your life was purposeless, you had nowhere else to turn? He, he worked back then. Why can't he work today? Take me back. Yeah, say, take me back. Dear Lord, say to the place where I first received you. Oh, take me back. Oh, take me back, dear Lord, where I first believe. I wonder if there's somebody right here right now that will just lift up your hands and say, Lord, I'm thankful for where I'm going. But I'm so thankful today for where you brought me from. I'm so thankful for you brought me from today. I'm so thankful that you brought me from a mighty long way. You picked me back. back You picked me up. Turned me around. You placed my feet on solid ground. Where I first received you. Take me back. Oh, take me back, dear Lord, where I first believed. Come on, can you just sing it one more time? Let your let your praise come out. Say, take me back. Oh, 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 oh. Take me back, dear Lord, to the place where I, where I first received you. Yeah, yeah. Take me back. 
Take me back. Yeah, 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 yeah. Take me back, dear Lord, to the place, to the place where I first received oh, you. Oh, 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 oh. Take me back. Take me back. Take me back, dear Lord, where I first believed. I feel the Holy Ghost right here. You know what the Bible says in Revelation? They overcame by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. Some of you have allowed the devil to get you so sidetracked on where you are that you forgot about the greatness of God and what He's done in your life. I wish somebody today would let your faith reconnect to know that if He did it back then, He can do it again. Rise up faith in this moment right now. Rise up faith. Rise up faith. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was blind, but now I see. To the place where I first received you. Take me back. Oh, take me back. Take me back. walk in this place today you don't know the stories of people in here today we've got people that were drug addicts that couldn't make it five minutes without something we have alcoholics that couldn't make it ten minutes without a drink we got people that were broken we've got people that were that were their lives are shattered we've got a man in here today that was trapped in Islam but found Jesus Hallelujah. We have people in here today. We have people in here today that were professed atheists. But we're all here today. Experiencing God. Why? Because of the greatness of Jesus. I first received you. question to you today is if he could do this and bring us the black the white the yellow the brown and bring us all together the rich the poor the uneducated and the educated in this room today the young and the old if he could do all that i'm gonna ask you a question is there anything too hard for god Folks, look around. This group shouldn't be here today. Our government can't even do what's happened in this room today. Our government can't bring white and black, rich and poor together. Take me back. Hey, there are Republicans and Democrats in this room today. But yet we're still worshiping because we serve the same God. First received you. Take me back. So my question to you today is, is there anything too hard for God? So if there's, if we can acknowledge there's nothing too hard for God, then the only thing left to acknowledge is, are you willing to try Jesus? Are you willing 
to turn it over to Jesus? Are you willing to give God an opportunity? Some of you are, are, are facing major life choices in the next couple of months. Choices you can't get wrong. You need Jesus. Some of you are hurting. You need Jesus. How about in the first Sunday morning of Antioch West, let's let Jesus have his way. Take me back. Come on, right where you are. Those of you that need something, would you lift your hands right now and begin to cry out to him and say, Lord, I need you. I need you. Come on, I need you to know you. Come on. That's it. Just begin to pray. Begin to talk to him. He's in this place. I didn't finish my notes, but that's okay. He showed up. Take me back. Come on, give it to Jesus. Turn it over to Jesus. Pray for yourself. Be sensitive to someone around you for a moment. Come on, Jesus is in this place. Jesus is in this place. Jesus is in this place. Come on, folks, let's turn this place into a prayer room right now. The Lord is doing something right now. Take me back. Oh, come on, be sensitive to someone around you. Take me back. But I'm asking you. Reach out and touch him. Reach out and touch him. I first received you. Take me back. Take me back, dear Lord. Yes, yes, that's it. Come on, that's it. You and Jesus. It's just you and Jesus right now. You and Jesus. You and Jesus. Take me back, dear Lord, to the place where I first received you. Come on. Don't just stop Take and go through the motions. But come on. You would close your eyes if you Take have to. So it's just you and Jesus. Not the neighbor, not the person in front or behind you. Not your husband, your wife. Not your kids or your parents. You and Jesus. Oh! 
go back, I wanna go back. Take me back, dear Lord. Yeah, where I first in John chapter 20 was Thomas and usually Thomas is given a bad rap he was doubting Thomas unbelieving Thomas but let me tell you the flip side of Thomas because Thomas was told about Jesus but Thomas's reply was until I see I will believe and yes I get I get the problem with that. I understand that. However, I believe that deep down inside, one of the reasons why Thomas said what he said was because there comes a point in time, I don't want to hear about it. I want to see it. I don't want to see the miracle. I don't want to hear the miracle. I want to see the miracle. 
And Thomas was saying, I, I'm glad you fellas got to experience it. But I'm not going to be satisfied until I experience it for myself. And you know what? How many of you have heard all these years, and some of you, there are few of you in this room that were there. So there are a few of you. But for the 99% of the rest of us, we have heard for years about the great things of the past. 1980, 1981. We've heard about all the miracles that happened in the beginning of this church. All the great revival. You know what? Can I be honest with you? I'm tired hearing about the nail scars I'm tired of healing about the sight I'm ready to have my own experience hallelujah I want my own experience and I challenge you today this morning this very first morning to challenge you to say listen I'm glad you have your testimony but I want my own testimony. To the place. I'm glad you know Jesus, but I'm not going to be satisfied until I know Jesus. I'm glad you were healed, but I'm not going to be satisfied until I was healed. You know what? We, can, we have some stories in here of people that would amaze you, that could come up here and tell you that how God used them to win somebody but you know what I don't want their story no. I want my own story and you can say well you know that we're all a team yeah we're all a team but I want my own experience I'm glad Peter I'm glad John I'm glad Andrew I'm glad Matthew I'm glad you guys all got to see him but until I get my own experience I won't be satisfied listening to your story. I want my own experience. Father, I loosen this place. There's so much faith because of what you're doing. But Lord, faith without works is dead. And I pray now in the name of Jesus that you would loosen this place. Loosen this place. A fresh wave of hunger. Fresh wave of hunger that would propel us to go beyond where we've been. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Take me back. How many of you in here today? I'm going to do a bishop right. I'm about to set you up, but I'm going to tell you I'm setting you up. How many of in here want to see God bring revival and harvest in this place? Now, I set you up, so I'll let you know I set you up. But the saying goes, if you always do what you've always done, you'll get what you've always got. So true. So we want revival and harvest. But if we think we can do what we've always done and be committed like we've always been and pray the same amount and fit God into this little box over here like we've always done and expect revival. It doesn't take, it not take all of us, but there's going to have to be a few of us in here today that are willing to go beyond where we've been. 
Instead of praying 30 minutes, we're going to have to be willing to pray an hour. Instead of praying an hour, we're going to have to be willing to pray two hours. Instead of just thinking about soul winning, we're actually going to have to do soul winning. Instead of thinking about a Bible study, we're going to have to teach a Bible study. But if we can do that, this room seats 500, folks. I was talking to Brother Shelton. I'm trying to stop talking to Brother Shelton Thursday. He was in town for the ordination service, talking to him. And he said, you know what? I'm so excited about all guys doing, but I have a problem. And you never know what's going to come out of Brother Shelton's mouth. I said, what's the problem? He goes, I'm excited about the property that God gave you, but there's a problem. I'm thinking, did we miss the will of God? I mean, what's going on? He goes, I think it's too small. I believe that. And you know what? I believe that. I do too. But also am not naive to think just because we put out a few chairs, have a keyboard and a microphone. Well, that was easy. Job's done. We got chairs and a microphone. That's all we need. No, 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 no. Do you know, and I'm going to preach about this a little bit tonight. Do you know that the kingdom of darkness is on high alert this morning? Why? Because we're in new territory and he knows it. But that's okay because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Turn to somebody and tell them, let's do this. I'm excited about what God's doing, God's going to do, but I'm more excited that you're here and I'm more challenged that you be a part. So first week, bring somebody with you next week. Tell them we're going to have donuts. Tell them I'll give them a hug. Tell them we'll give them a sparking space. Tell them they can enjoy the beautiful murals on the wall. Tell them whatever you got to do. Get them here next week. And please, I know a lot of you don't usually come. A lot of you have work schedules. But if you're able to, be here tonight. Doors open, 530. Be here. Church, 6 o'clock. Bishop Wright will be in the house. The Lord's giving me a word tonight. And I believe it's going to be absolutely historic and amazing. Be here tonight. And bring somebody with you. Amen. Now. One last thing. We have ushers by the we usher by the door. He will not let you out unless you do one, uh, one thing. Shake three people's hands. <laughs> if you can't do that, we won't let you go. But make sure you greet somebody. And we are going forward. Amen. Praise God. God bless you.